Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast. As always, you can find us on Facebook at Tide Chasers Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers. All of our uh, content is in the bios. You can find where we are uh, listed on the podcast platforms in our bio on both Instagram and Facebook. And then, of course, you can find me and Qua's contact info on there as well. Today, we're going to have an excellent guest who is uh, very is a, a vet and does some in, incredible things for veterans on the water. But first off, I'm going to tee up my co-host here. Welcome, Qua. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, man? What's going on? I'm kind of super excited about this episode. The gentleman we have on, he's, he's still young but he's, he's got a heart of gold and we're always looking on our podcast for people like this, you know, especially the fact that he's, he gets involved with the vets of our country. You know what I mean? The stuff they do, the stuff that he did, you know what I mean? He understands all this. And it, it, it even for me, from a perspective, it's, it's very special. And I appreciate him coming on and pretty much doing what he does, but uh, enough of me rambling. I'm gonna let you take over and just pretty much introduce this young man. Well, without further ado, welcome Ryan. This is Ryan Burke of at Salty Grunt Sport Fishing in Wildwood, New Jersey. How you doing, Ryan? Good, man. How you guys doing? I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on, brother. I am too, man. I'm really excited. Like I said, I've been listening to you guys' stuff for a while. Uh, a lot of the episodes, man, a lot of the people I, I'm familiar with in the area and a lot of them that I'm not. And uh, it's really cool to hear different perspectives from, uh, you know, from everybody in the community. So I really appreciate you guys having me on. For sure, man. Now, give us a little, uh, give us a little idea of your background, like kind of what you what you've been doing, and and a little bit uh, how you got into fishing and those sort of things. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm actually from uh, Bucks County, uh, Pennsylvania, just outside northeast of the city. Um, so growing up, you know, since I was as young as I can remember, like my dad would always take me to, you know, around here we just have like little uh, little ponds and lakes and creeks. So just going like um, you know, pan fishing, bass fishing, uh, trout. Um, stuff like that. And I basically grew up doing that uh, in the off season. But then in the summers, uh, my parents owned, they still have a condo down in North Wildwood. So basically the day school would let out, you know, my parents would load up the car, uh, my mom, my siblings, and we'd go down to Wildwood and I'd be down there from, you know, the day school ended until the day I had to go back uh, to PA, which was, you know, you know, usually early September. So that whole two or three month stretch, man, I was down the shore. And uh, I just remember having like, like an attraction to the water, um, you know, as young as I can remember, whether it was like playing on the beach or going back in the marshes or like tide pools at low tide and just being like fascinated with the wildlife and, you know, the crabs and the fish. And, um, you know, just growing up around that environment, just always having an interest to like, you know, what's under there, the unknown. And as I started to get a little older, uh, you know, there used to be a fishing pier down there. It's not there anymore. The water's receded a bit and it's not there any longer. But 
I remember my mom before I even had a rod or a reel. Uh, I'd go to the there's a local uh, local tackle store down there a block away from my condo, and I went there and I remember I bought like a like a 300 yard spool of mono, and I picked up a bunch of sinkers and hooks and bait, and I would just go to the uh, the fishing pier down there, and I would drop a line and just straight down with some bait on it, and I never really caught anything. I catch like some dogfish and skates and stuff, you know, maybe an occasional flounder or something like that. But I was young, man. I was probably only you know eight or nine years old. And I just remember watching the older guys fishing and, and you know, just kind of observing and picking their brain a little bit and learning. And, uh, you know, I tried different spots to go like the rock walls and the jetties and I try surf casting and every year I'd get a little, little, little better. You know what I mean? Like I'd start to actually get a desired species of fish. And that's kind of when I really started to get into fishing. And, um, as I got older, you know, my dad started taking me on like head boats and party boats all throughout Jersey, but like, uh, you know, Belmar all the way down to Cape May, you know, for bluefish, sea bass, flounder, whatever, uh, just big, you know, the big party boats. And growing up, my neighbor, actually, he was a charter captain at a, uh, at a Cape May. And he also had like a little John boat that he'd keep on the river. The river's about from my house in Pennsylvania. It's only about 15 minutes away. So whenever I was around PA, we'd load up on his John boat pretty often we go out in the river and get catfish and then we go further south near the city and get stripers and then uh we'd go down the shore in the summertime and he'd take us out on his charter boat you know flounder fishing and stuff and it really just got me uh intrigued and interested and i think he pretty sure he gave me my first ever like rod and reel it was just like a hand-me-down old school conventional you know what i mean and uh yeah man i was hooked and every summer like you know we'd rent pontoon boats and like little back bay stuff and we'd mess around and that was pretty much growing up man from the time as young as i can remember all the way up until basically until i joined the military uh when i was like in my you know i was probably 2021 um and then it kind of came to a little bit of a halt there um you know mostly because of time constraints but also because of the you know where i moved to so i left the coast and i always had once i started saltwater fishing man it was like a wrap for me i, I got hooked love saltwater. It's just a fascination to me, like the unknown, what you could pull up. And, uh, once, you know, I joined the army, I got stationed once I was done my training all out in Tennessee and you know, I'm away from the nearest beach. is like eight hours away, Panama city. So I did the trip a couple times down there, but for the most part, anytime I was like throwing a line in, it was like, uh, just, you know, little lakes and stuff for, uh, for like large mouth and things like that. But that's really how I got started into fishing. Um, and then I'd say, you know, like I said, a little break in the military, and then it really kicked off afterwards. Gotcha. Well, we all kind of have that break. Qua and I both have similar stories. Like I, I fished a lot as a kid with my mom, and then as I grew up, I kind of, I kind of lost the, I guess, the passion for it. I, I, I don't know that I lost the passion for it. But then when I met my my wife, her her dad was a, a big time fisherman. I was just the kind of guy that would just fish when I went on vacation. I, I at the, before before that, so. It was very minute. I didn't have a whole lot of fishing gear. And then I met my father-in-law's and it was game over because he was a big time fisherman. It got me back into it. And then I really took off from there. I got on the YouTube and got it, you know, started learning as much as I could be up three o'clock in the morning, reading different things on my phone, you know, just, just taking in all of everything that I could. And yeah, the addiction starts. Yeah. It, it got me here. So yeah. yeah, we all have that similar story. We had uh, me and Qua both had, you know, breaks in our, our fishing life and and here we are back at it so now Amen. you uh you what what uh what type of military did you serve in give us an idea of what, what you what you did in the military and like where you were deployed to and things like that yeah so i uh so i know i wanted to join the military my whole life like both my grandfathers were in um my one grandfather served in world war ii uh they were both army but i also had uh 
there was no Air Force at the time, but it was like the Air Guard, they were in there. So I had a pretty good heritage of, of military in my family, and I was just always interested in it. So I kind of knew that's what I was going to do after high school. Um, but senior year, I ended up like smashing my collarbone real good, and, and I couldn't join right away. So I ended up doing trying college for my parents. You know, I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. I did that for like a year and then it wasn't for me, man. I dropped out and enlisted. I think it was like early or late 2008, early 2009, I enlisted. Uh, I did the army uh, infantry. So I enlisted as an infantryman, pretty fortunate in the army. You could pick your job. I knew what I wanted to do. Um, And at the time, you know, it was kind of in the midst of Iraq was slowing down a little bit. Afghanistan was kind of picking up. Um, But I kind of had a desire for that. So I wanted to go over and serve my country and everything. So Enlisted, ended up going to Fort Benning, Georgia for basic training and uh, my, you know, my infantry training. I was there for like five or six months. And then ultimately I got stationed uh, at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Um, and I actually, I got, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the, the Band of Brothers series, but that was my company I could put. I got put in an easy company, uh, second to 506 with 101st Airborne. So I was with those guys for uh, a year and doing all kinds of training, uh, training up for deployment. Uh, I did air assault training. So like helicopter operations, you know, fast rope repelling, stuff like that. And then I think it was like January or February that year. Uh, the president said he, we were going to do a surge in Afghanistan, send like a hundred thousand troops. So we got orders to go to Afghanistan in, uh, early summer of 2010. So, uh, you know, fishing got put on the back burner for a little bit, kind of focus was all on, on, uh, getting ready for deployment. Um, so I think it was like either late July or early August of 2010, I deployed to, uh, East excuse me, East Paktiga, Afghanistan. It was like a real, uh, real mountainous region uh, right on the border of Pakistan. And uh, I was on a real small outpost, combat outpost called Zarak. And it was only a few of us. It was uh, my company. We were the only ones there. It was a small base. You could basically throw a baseball across it. Um, And from the day we landed there, man, we were taking like uh, indirect fire, uh, rockets, mortars, and everything like that. And, uh, Man, I was only there like my fourth day and I was pulling tower guard and, you know, we had four towers to watch the outpost and we'd rotate doing patrols like in the mountains and talking to villages and stuff. And sorry if I'm going off on a tangent on Afghanistan, but oh, I'll, good, man. Yeah, I'll, uh, so anyway, yeah, pulling guard and they ended up shooting. A, we're doing like the left seat, right seat, uh, ripping, we call it ripping uh, out with the other unit, you know, the old unit that was leaving, we're coming in. And my tower ended up getting hit with one of the rockets and, you know, knocked me out. I took shrapnel and uh, got a traumatic brain injury and was in bad shape for a little bit. So I ended up getting medevaced. This is like my fourth day there, man. Uh, they medevaced me to a bigger outpost, like a bigger air base. And uh, I was fortunate, man. Like I really wasn't banged up too bad. And I was out for a couple of weeks. I did do all kind of weird tests because it was like a brain thing. So they, you know, they, they're really cautious when it comes to that stuff. Um, but I didn't have to go home. So I was eager to get back to my guys. It was only, you know, I was only there a few days. I was in country, I think two weeks, but at my actual outpost for, you know, four days or something like that. So a couple of weeks went by, they gave me the all clear, uh, went back to my outpost, Zarak, and I spent the remainder of the year there with my company. And, uh, you know, it was a long deployment, man. We had, aside from like the obvious, like enemy uh, contact, we were in a real, like a lot of people think of Afghanistan, like, um, I don't know if you went to Iraq or what, but it, Afghanistan was like, man, like South is like desert, but the mount, the North is like mountains. So I was in the mountainous region. So in the winter, it got cold, like real cold, you know, like well below zero, uh, several feet of snow on the ground. And we're still having to patrol up it. So we're losing guys left and right to like broken ankles on the mountains and frostbite and just all the other elements that you wouldn't think of, you know, in the Middle East. But um, 
you know, we were up high 10,000 feet elevation. So it was a long deployment, man. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I was there from summer 2010 to summer 2011. And then, uh, I got back from Afghanistan and I got put in charge while I was over there. I got put in charge of like a fire team. So I was getting some leadership. So it wasn't sucking as bad. You know, when you're a lower enlisted guy, it could be, I'm sure I imagine the Marine Corps is the same way. Mm-hmm. Life kind of sucks as a lower enlisted guy. Yeah. Uh, but once you start getting some rank, it, you know, it still sucks, but it gets a little better. Um, so got back, man, got a team and uh, got promoted, started training guys. I uh, did a lot of schools and stuff my last year in. And then uh, I think it was the early 2000, like spring, summer 2012. Um I decided that, you know, I was, I was done. I wasn't going to re up and I was ready to get out and go home, man, and be with my family and stuff. And so I got out, I, I finished my enlistment. Um, you know, I got honor, honorably discharged as an NCO in the army and I, I was happy with that. And, uh, you know, at first when you get out of the military, it's like, a it's a great feeling, you know, you're like, it's like you're free. It's like freedom. You know, you feel like you've almost been like locked down. And yeah. when you leave the base for the last time, man, it's like, it's a great feeling. And, uh, I just remember coming home and just like, I had, I had set myself up because people always say when you're getting out, like, man, have a plan, have a plan, have a plan because it can get rough. You know what I mean? It not just coming home from war, but just transitioning from the military to civilian life in general can be difficult. So I did, I, I had, I set myself up to start school, uh, Temple university, like two weeks after I got home. So I had a couple of weeks to mess around and party and have fun. And then I jumped right to school, man. And, uh, that was basically the gist of my military career, but that's kind of how I segued back into fishing. Um, so I got back, you know, I was going to school, everything was cool. Uh, that was a tough transition being back in school because it was like, you know, you're around a bunch of younger kids at this point I was in like my mid twenties. Um, but everybody else was like 18, right out of, you know, right out of high school and just different life experiences and stuff. And, um, but whatever, I was doing well, doing good in school, but, and I, I had met my, my girlfriend at the time is now my wife and my beautiful wife. And, you know, I, she had a, a three-year-old son at the time who's my son now. And, uh, you know, so it was good. Like I have a great support system, my family, my friends, I had my wife, my my son, and uh, everything was good. I had no complaints, but there was still like a, like a void, man. Like it wasn't. Um, and I don't know if it was like, uh, you know, just being away from the people you've been with for the last three or four years or, you know, that not being able, not being relatable to the people you're surrounded with, whatever it was, man, moved from Kentucky to South Philly. I don't know, but there was like a a big void, man. And I was struggling to find like that happiness that I was desiring. You know what I mean? Sure. Yep. And uh, I I didn't know what to do essentially. Like I didn't want to be, I didn't want to go like talk to somebody and I didn't want to do anything drastic. It was just like, I need to do something, man. Cause I need to get out of this funk. Um, so I, you know, I was living my life doing whatever. And then I think it was the first summer. Uh, it was like my first summer out of the army. And I was like, well, what else is there to do, but go down the shore, you know? So I go down and immediately, man, it's like the salt air hits you again. It's like, brings you back. And you're like, hell yeah, dude, like this, I, I needed this. And I think it was like, a few weeks, maybe a little longer, but I took like a chunk of my deployment money and I bought my first boat, man. My first boat since I've been out, I bought like a, it was a 201 pro line. It had like a 150 Merc on it. Got it for like five grand or something. I used like a lump sum of my deployment money. And uh, I got that thing, man. And like the obsession began, you know what I mean? It was, uh, 
I just started, uh, first it was just cruising around, you know, taking like courses and stuff like that. And then it was like targeting one species of fish. And then it was targeting another species of fish. And I would just like hone in on these. And with this boat, man, I just went everywhere. I mean, I would go back and forth across the Delaware Bay to Delaware, um, fishing down there, going offshore. I'd be all in the back marshes, you know, messing around in there. It was a real versatile boat. It was like a little walk around cuddy cabin. But it wasn't too big to where I couldn't take it really wherever I wanted. And it wasn't too small to where I couldn't go offshore, you know, to the uh, a lot of the wreck sites and reefs. When I say offshore, I mean like, you know. Inshore, you're you're five. Yeah. yeah, man. Like I wouldn't go any more than like 15 or 20 with it, which I probably could have. But um, I was just content with that, man. You know, down off Cape May and Wildwood, the, the artificial reefs are only like 10 miles off, if, if that. So it wasn't a bad run. Um, and I just got hooked, man. And I just... I started going to seminars and, uh, you know, YouTube and reading and just getting my hands dirty, man, just getting out on the water and experiencing it. You know, I found that that was the best way to really hone your skill and learn was to just get out on the water and do it. Um, so that's really how I got like truly invested and back into fishing and kind of got obsessed with it. Was it, it kind of took me out of that funk that I was in and, uh, you know, gave me something to look forward to and be passionate about again. Oh, absolutely, man. You, you hear it. Time and time again, the sport just calls you back. You know, you'll be walking down the street and you'll hear, you should be fishing. Yeah, man. It'll be like whispering in your ear there passing by. Dude, it's the truth. I, I, it, it calls you back, man. And the great thing about fishing is you can do it at any age, really. So it's not like it's not like you, you gave up baseball and you're out of your prime. You know what I mean? You, your oh. prime doesn't – there's not really an existence prime. I see 80-year-old guys catching fish. I had some 80-year-old guys schooling me on some fluke a couple weeks back. So – it happens, man. Like they're they're sitting there with these floats with minnows. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like I've never seen that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting there like scratching my head. Like I know this is a thing, but they were absolutely smoking me, and I'm sitting there like, man. Yeah, sometimes the old school ways get it done, man. But that yeah. is the cool thing because it's like no matter what, there there's a type of fishing for everybody. I mean, it's like the classic. You know, we were talking about when I was a kid. You sitting by the little pond with a bobber and a piece of corn or a worm catching little sunnies and bluegill, you know, or you could be, you know, way offshore hunting down blue marlin or, or, you know, uh, yellowfin tuna, you know, it's, and everything in between. So it really is an awesome sport, man. It's like, that was one of the, the incentives for me to, uh, you know, show other people too, is just that it's like, I wanted to, I want other people to experience, man, because it's awesome. You know, it's like that's half the fun of fishing is getting your buddies out with you. You know what I mean? Just wait till your son gets older and you can take him with you. Dude, so my son, my son right now is he's actually 12. When I met Oh, it, so I, the newborn is not the son. No, the newborn is different. She's only oh, yeah. she's only six months now. When I met my wife, my stepson was three. Now oh. he's now he's 12. And uh he's slowly getting up. So he's he, he doesn't have a lot of patience, man. He's a big athlete, like he likes basketball. Yeah. And I drag I drag him out on me once in a while. I'm like, hey, bro, he's like, I'll like, come out, you know, I'll hook you up, I'll pay you a little bit and you have some fun. And I, I think it was two years ago, I got him to come out drum fishing with me uh, in the Delaware Bay. And uh, he hooked up to a nice drum, a real nice drum. And right as it got to the boat, it popped off and he was pissed. Man. And he, uh, he ended up catching a couple of sharks and stuff that day. But he had a great time, but I couldn't convince him to come out with me since then. He just like, I don't know. He, I have a feeling now he's getting a little older. He's going to get back into it. But, you know, patience. Yeah, my son's obsessed. He's, he's been fishing with me since he was two years old. So it's it, sick, man. like, it's a blast. I had him out the other day. We were uh snakehead fishing and this kid was bombing casts. I'm like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. Like bombing him. I'm like, 
I had guys like just standing there watching. There's three other guys just standing there watching, like with their mouths open. Like they're like, "How old is he?" I'm like, "He just turned seven. Bombing him with a seven foot rod. Bang! It was like it was. And dude, that almost is everything, man. That is everything, right? It there. is, man. That's like more fun than fishing itself, you know. Oh, I yeah. never watch my buddies and my kids and my wife. Like I'd, I'd rather see them ruin a doormat any day than watch me. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that's the half the fun of fishing. It's just being out there and watching that excitement. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's sitting there. He's sitting there with my seven foot rod bomb, and he's like, "Dad, you think I could just use this one?" I'm like, um, "I'm sitting here setting up his little five foot rod." I'm like, uh, uh, yeah. "Yeah, go ahead. Why not?" Poor man. Well, I'm sitting there fishing with the five foot rod, and he's casting further than me. That's awesome, dude. So jumping back into it now, you have a charter business based in Wildwood, and it's called Salty Grunt Sport Fishing, and then you have another uh, leg to it, which is the the Salty Grunt Sport Fishing Warrior on the Water. Yeah. Uh, how did we kind of know where the idea came from, but how did it get started and what kind of trials and tribulations did you go through and setting up everything? Yeah, man. So I, uh, you know, so I kind of told you how I transitioned out of the military and got into that. Well, I forget what year it was, but it wasn't too long after I got out and I was kind of in that funk still, but I was getting into fishing and I got, uh, I had an organization reach out to me. They're called a uh, veteran sportsman Alliance and they were California based nonprofit and they had reached out to me. Um, they saw like a video I put on YouTube and, or something. And they, they contacted me and said, Hey man, we do this thing for combat wounded veterans. Um, would you be interested in flying out here and either going hunting or fishing? I was like, absolutely. Let's do it. You know? So sure enough, like I graduated temple and that day I said, bye to my wife, my son. And I went right to the airport and I flew out to, um, flew out to Portland, Oregon. And they set me up for a, a salmon fishing trip. So I go out there. They picked me up, man. They spoiled me. They brought me to a hotel and bought me drinks, food, dinner. I had my nice room. I woke up the next day. They had a, a guide on the Columbia River. His name was Brian Campbell, I believe. And um, went out with like four or five other veterans on my boat. And then there was probably 15 other boats, you know, all with vets. Um, some guys were like really banged up, man. And went out and we just killed it, dude. We, we crushed I, I forget what kind of salmon they were out there, but regardless, it was a great time, caught a ton of fish. Um, they flash freeze them for us, vacuum sealed it, shipped them home for us on dry ice. We had all this frozen salmon when we got home. It was, it was awesome. And I met some great people there, man. I met some veterans. Uh, hopefully my buddy Jordan doesn't mind me mentioning them on here, but he, um, Navy EOD uh, veteran in Afghanistan the same time I was, he ended up taking an AK around to the head like his, you know, in the beginning of his deployment, paralyzed like the whole one side of his body to the point when, when I met him, it was only a couple years later, uh, he couldn't, he had no control over it. And he had to make the decision whether he was going to uh, keep his, his foot or amputate it, man. And he had the courage to make the decision that, Hey, I'm going to amputate my leg so I can try and walk again and run again. And it was just inspiring, man. And I met him out there and I saw what they were doing for this guy and people like him. And, Dude, I didn't have myself in the same bracket as these guys. Like I was so fortunate and blessed that my injuries were, relatively speaking, like superficial and minor. You know, like I'm okay here. I'm I'm fine. It's physically I'm good. Um, and some of these guys were just tore up, man. And the things they were doing for him it was just awesome, and it like inspired me. So when I got home, I was like, I I I started that seed was planted in my head. Like I want to do something like that. You know, I want to help people. Um, and for years I was taking people out of my boat and, you know, for, like I said, for years, just taking people out and just getting a joy and watching them 
fish and watching me enjoying the success of me being able to target a species, um, locate where they are, teach the tactic of how to catch them, and then watching friends, family, strangers hook up and have fun, man, and come home with table fare or just catch and release and have a good time. And I was, I was really getting a lot of joy out of it more than I was just fishing by myself. And, um, you know, I wanted to help. So I started to get the idea, like people were telling me, Hey man, you take people out all the time and everybody has fun. Why don't you do a charter? Why don't you do a charter? And, uh, you know, I played with the idea a little bit. I was like, I want to get a little more time under my belt. You know, I want to get a little more experience, whatever. Um, and eventually I was like, you know what, dude, there's no better time than now. You, it's never going to feel like the perfect time. And of course, the year that I say, let's do it. Well, I go get my captain's license, start getting all the, you know, the permits and order everything. COVID hits. Oh. So, yeah. So, uh, so I had everything set up in 20, the end, you know, end of 2019, ready to launch 2020 summer. And then, uh, it kind of just got halted. And the idea that I originally had was, you know, I want to do the charters as like a business aspect, but the main thing I want to do is start a nonprofit to take out other veterans, first responders, um, gold star families, which has got, you know, guys who were killed in the line of duty or uh, killed overseas and then families of, uh, officers that were killed in the line of duty, police officers. So I wanted to take this mix of people out and especially people that have never been in the sport of fishing or, you know, were relatively new to it. I wanted to take them out, show them how, what it's all about, put them up for a couple nights down, down the shore, you know, down in Wildwood Cape May area, um, hook them up with all kinds of gear, uh, you know, apparel, rods, reels, uh, jigs, you know, lures, everything I can give them, you know, just to kind of get them set up. And this is kind of like this vision I had in my head. And I'm like, well, you know, a brand new nonprofit, you probably won't get a lot of money. You want to get a lot of donations. So I said, on the side, I'll do these charter businesses and I'll take proceeds, you know, I'll take, I'll pay my, you know, I'll pay my stuff off when I need to take a little bit of the proceeds, but I'll, I'll put a lot of it towards um, the word on the water. So it kind of was like a worked out both ways to where the charters were helping me. They were also helping the nonprofit. I was getting to do both at the same time. Like I said, I had it all set up squared away and then COVID hit. So I decided it's not the right year to do it. Let's hold off. Um, it, in that time frame, I got a new boat. Uh, it was like, this was a, about a year prior to that. I ended up going up to, uh, I was looking for a real specific boat, but we'll get into that later. But anyway, I got a new boat. So I got some more time on my boat another year or so before I started doing the charters. Um, getting to know my boat, you know, doing repairs, upgrades, stuff like that. And then uh, this past year, I, you know, ready to go. And then, of course, I have a baby in February. So I'm like, you know what? Every year is going to be something, man. It's now's the time. So I decided to launch it. Um, charters and everything were great. Uh, I had a lot of got a lot of veterans on and stuff this year. Uh, but the war on the water thing got a little held up because, uh, again, I had these venues planned that I wanted to book and with COVID and everything, things were booked so far in advance, man, that I couldn't get a lot of these venues. And then I finally did get one and I had to, uh, the, the veteran I was going to take out, had to kind of bail on me a, a few weeks prior. Uh, he had something going on and come on an emergency. So we had to reschedule that to next year, but, um, yeah, man, it, it all worked out getting it set up and now we're off the ground and running. So really looking forward to, you know, continuing for what's the coming off. Nice. Very nice. We, Hey, listen, what you're doing is a, is a pretty amazing thing. There, it's it's a huge thing, and we're we're going to shoot this out to everybody we know to kind of get you linked up, and see if we can't help get you uh, some extra uh, those warriors on on your boat there. So yeah, it'd be great. That, it's, it's an amazing thing you're doing. My dad was a uh, <clears throat> was a marine in the Vietnam. My little brother was uh, medically discharged. He had an injury as well. So my we are a military family, um, but. 
Yeah, yeah, it's amazing what you're doing. So I love it. I think it's great. Now you you mentioned your boat. Why don't we get into the boat a little bit to kind of get an idea of what you're using to run your charters? Yeah, man. So I uh, like I said, my first I had a couple little boats, um, and then I purposely was hunting for a good combination boat. I wanted something that was a good platform for fishing, but also something that had a kind of like a good um, capability of being a good cruising type boat. You know versatile where I can go offshore and stay kind of in the back bays a little bit because um you know it is half the days in the summer are blown out you, you know you don't want to go too far off anyway so um <laughs> I ended up finding a good a, a boat that I really liked it was a uh so a Boston Whaler 280 outrage so the typical 280 outrages you know now they're all center console strictly center console boats um you know a small helm with a little head in them so this boat for they only made it for four years this specific layout and it's basically like a walk around center console hybrid. Um, so if you look at the boat, the helm's right in the middle. You have equal walk-arounds on both sides, pretty wide. It's got a huge platform on the bow, um, which is kind of rare for a big, you know, a boat with a cabin, but ton of, there's a seat up front with a ton of standing space if you're, you know, if casting off the front of the boat. A lot of room up there where multiple guys can jig or cast. Um, the back of the boat's got a nice helm station with a, or a bait station. Um, so everything I need there with jump seats that fold in, save space. It's powered by twin 20, 225 Mercs, so I get you know get offshore pretty quick. Um, and it really allows me a lot of versatility, man. It's got a uh, you know all the up to date electronics. Uh, this year I just added a uh, Minn Kota Tarova, which has been an absolute game changer, man. I mean that thing is it is not only saved me a ton of time as far as like anchoring over structure and stuff oh, yeah. like that, but it has just made almost all types of fishing just easier. You know what I mean? And it's, it, dude, for everything. I mean, you know, the back bays, uh, I can get much skinnier water now and just have full control and creating a good drift. When my boat typically takes off like a kite, if there's any bit of wind, um, you know, offshore, if there's no drift at all, I can create a drift. If it's, you know, wind with the tide, I can slow my drift down. If there's, um, if I want to stop over structure, you know, I got that spot lock and it's, it's impressive, man, for the size boat. You know, it's a, overall, it's like a 31 foot boat, 10 and a half foot beam. Um, and that, that thing holds it in place pretty solid, man. So it's, it's really been a, it's really been a good boat. I don't have any complaints. Um, little cabin has a full, you know, full size cabin with a head in it, some cushion seats for people that want to get out of the sun and chill out a little bit. Um, working on getting it a little more uh, suitable for, more severely disabled guys. Um, but so far it's been pretty solid. It hasn't really been an issue, um, which I'm happy about because obviously that's a big, you know, a big part of what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, man, so far it's been a great platform for me. I'm really, I'm really loving it. This is my fourth season now with it, I believe. So, uh, it's been a great, it's been a great boat for me, man. It's really allowed me the capability to do whatever I want thus far. That's great, man. Hey, that, that's what you need. You got to have the boat that's, uh, that's set up for your, for your needs. So that's, that's perfect. Yeah. And we'll see. I got this little, this little skiff, uh, this Carolina skiff recently, and uh, it's kind of a fit, little fixer upper, but I got a good deal on it. And I'm excited to get that up and running next year. We'll see. Maybe I'll add another implement of the, uh, the charter for some back bay stuff, you know, some skinnier water, but we'll see how it goes. There you go, man. Now give us a little insight on the, the mix of trips that you anticipate uh, setting up like uh, the week, uh, the warrior on the water and then the, the regular uh, charter business. How, how do you anticipate splitting that? Obviously it depends on who's contacting you. But yeah. your goal is to be, does, do you have a goal of a mix there? Yeah. So, I mean, the charters, obviously I'm, they're more frequent. Um, 
So I'm basically booking charters uh, just like any other charter captain would be. You know, I'm getting them as they come in. People are booking them far out in advance. People, some people are calling me the week of, seeing if I have availability. Um, I'm trying to take a lot more care for the the war in the water. So obviously, when I get veterans coming on, I I, I like to I like to you know I, I significantly discount it for them, and I like to do something some extra stuff for them that I don't typically do with regular clients. But at the same time. The war on the water, I kind of have a totally different aspect of it. There's a lot of uh, nonprofits out there and not, dude, I'm not knocking any of them at all. They're all have great cause and it's awesome what they do. Like the one that helped me out a lot. Um, but I wanted to, to do something a little different. So a lot of the nonprofits, what they do is they'll, they'll get groups of veterans and they'll send them off with captains. You know, they'll, they'll basically pay for a charter boat and they'll put the guys on there, let them go out for the day, come back. I had this idea. I kind of wanted to do it a little differently. I wanted a more uh, personal experience. So getting these veterans on, you know, myself being a, a, a combat wounded veteran, uh, having served overseas. I like being able to conversate with these guys. I know how it was when I get back, when I got back. Um, I wanted that one-on-one, uh, you know, that one-on-one conversation with like-minded people that you might not get if you're with, you know, don't get me wrong. I know they're having a good time getting put on fish, but you might not necessarily get if you're not with another veteran or, or, or whatever. I wanted to provide that. And I didn't want to bring necessarily too many guys at once. So, what I do is I aim to take out one, uh, one veteran at a time. Um, if they want to bring their family, um, they're more than welcome to. But a lot of times uh, the guys that have been reaching out to me are just uh, individual veterans that are just looking for some therapeutic sessions out on the water, basically get, you know, catching fish, getting out of the water, clearing the mind and just being around like-minded people. So ultimately, um, like I said, pre-COVID, the original plan was I, would like, I was trying to do uh, – one to two warrior on the water trips a month uh, during prime season. So basically right after Memorial day, I try and get on June, July, August, and hopefully September um, get guys out because there is a lot that goes into them as far as the, uh, the lodging, the venues, um, you know, where we set, we, cause after we do the, the day of fishing, we have, you know, big dinner and celebration and stuff like that. We give them gifts and everything like this and uh, you know, plaques and, um, so we try and really make it special for them. So rather than do several that are, I guess, lower quality, I'd like to do a smaller amount and really make them a memorable experience for that veteran that comes on the trip. That's huge, man. That's pretty incredible what you're doing. I, I can't, hey, yeah. from, from a, a military thing, uh, family, I thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty incredible. Thank you, man. I appreciate uh, so, that. So with the, uh, so I guess basically you, I'm, I'm thinking about this as if, as if I were in your shoes. I think that, that, that time you take to connect with the veterans, it, it's got, it's got to help because, you know, that, like you said, they're just getting out of the military and things like that, or potentially just getting out of the military and getting acclimated back into life. And it's, it's a difficult thing. I'm, I'm sure. It, yeah. It takes, I mean, I, I just know how I was and, you know, a lot of these, a lot of people think it's, it's way easier to just like open up and a lot of these dudes come on and, they're not like coming on and like vending about their issues and, you know, or like opening, being an open book and acting like we're best buddies right away. It's not how it is. It's not how I was, but when, you know, as the day goes on and that's the good thing about fishing is there's not many professions, man, where you're like stuck on a boat with a stranger for a long period of time and you got nowhere to go. There's one dude to talk to, you know what I mean? Yes. Over time you kind of feel them out and you get loose and you start to get to know the people and they get more comfortable you start catching fish, they start having fun and you kind of segue into 
your experiences, you know, like uh, in the military and, you know, you throw that in there, how like, yeah, dude, you know, I know, I know how it is, man. It sucks when you get out, you know what I mean? And it, it, it kind of just comes naturally because you have relatable experiences and you're kind of building upon that because you're both having fun on the water. You're both fishing, but you can look back at, you know, more difficult things you've been through and it, you kind of, it just makes them more comfortable. And I found that it doesn't matter who you have, man, if, you could be like a diehard angler or you could be somebody who's literally never fished before in your life. There's something about being on the water. That's just therapeutic, man. And you can go out there and you can get skunked five days in a row and not get a bite. And it really, I mean, that doesn't happen that often, but you know, it, it it's possible. Sure. And, but if it does, it doesn't matter, man. It's no factor. Cause it, you know, just being out there with like-minded people, it really is a therapeutic experience. For anybody, you know, it doesn't have to even have to be a veteran. I mean, I think I could speak for most people that if you're having a bad day and you go out on a boat and you're riding around with a waterman and it's just a beautiful day out and you're enjoying the smells and the sounds and just taking in the experience, it could change your day around, you know, regardless of what you got going on. And it's no different for a veteran, you know, going through some serious stuff. So. Oh, for sure. I, I was what, two, two days out of the hospital quad when you had me on a boat. And I got to tell you, man, I, I, going into it, I was like, man, I don't know if I could do this, but while I was out there, it was, you know, it just kind of, kind of flipped. Now, I, I didn't have all my normal strength and everything else. Cause I was in the hospital for five days, but you know, you're, you're right. Like it just really does change your whole mindset, change your whole attitude. If, if you're about that lifestyle, being on the water like that, it just brings you, it just brings you joy. And I, I yeah. can't, yeah, I can't, I can't escape it. Like if I'm by the water, I'm happy. Even the little pond in my neighborhood, when I take my That's kids it, down there. I'm with you, bro. And it's like, I think it's just the, the solitude of it, you know, too, even guys, like you said, you, if you're into that lifestyle, but even if you're not, and you're a mountain man, you know, you like the snow and the cold. If you get out there and you just experience that solitude, I mean, on my boat, I got, and I see it all the time with clients and, and, you know, vets and whoever I get on my boat, man, I have a, on that, that big spacious bow, I have a nice two or three seats right in front of the windshield that just, uh, you know, wide open bow so you can stretch your feet out. And I tell people, like, hey, man, we're cruising. Go up there. Just let me know if you want to come to the back, whatever. And people go up there, man, and they just get into a trance. And, you know, when you're in that spot, you know, you can have a million thoughts and emotions, but really nothing matters, man. You're just – you're looking at the horizon, and any problems you had prior to getting on that boat, they're out the window, and you're just taking it in and enjoying it, man. For sure, man. What it's all now, about. This is, this is the last one I'm going to ask. Them. I'm going to hand it over to Qua here. So, now, your trips, do you offer all, all three, like, inshore, offshore, nearshore trips for, with, with the Boston Whaler there? Yeah, I don't really do too much offshore. Um, I don't think I'm quite ex experienced enough to have people pay me to take them out off offshore. Um, we'll dabble in it a little bit, but we mostly do. Uh, we offer like timed uh, time trips. So depending on the season and depending on, you know, whatever's going on, what the people want to do. So a lot of people request the back bay stuff. We'll stick to the back bay. If people want to go out, uh, out in the ocean, we'll do near shore trips. Typically, I'd say we're within... 30 miles. Um, you know, I'd say our normal range is like, we hit a lot of the artificial reefs that are nearby, a lot of local wrecks that I know, um, you know, not too far offshore this time of year, we, you know, we, we push out a little more to get some of those pelagics, you know, we'll try pot hopping for some mahi in between jigging for flounder and, and, uh, you know, we'll stop at some wrecks and try and pull up our couple of sea bass and tog that we're allowed to keep. And, uh, but yeah, we kind of offer a mix, man, whatever the people want to do. Um, I'm open for anything as long as the, you know, time permits and, you know, weather's good. Um, there's not really any limit. I'm, I'm open for anything, man. Awesome, man.
All right. Well, Qua's going to take it from here. All right. That sounds good to me. Now, before we start, you know, once again, um, being from a military parent myself, you know, once again, we'd like to thank you for everything that you're doing for you all too. the vets and also from everyone outside. You know what I mean? It's it's a very great cause. And the fact that, you know, like you were talking earlier that for the new guys or the guys that are just getting out, there's always that void. And you've, you've felt that void. I felt that void. A bunch of people. You now, there's that void. Luckily for some people like yourself, you found something to fill that void. You know, other people aren't as lucky and things, you know, things, things just go south from there. And that that's where we come in, you know, we try to help these people kind of find something, a, a mutual happy place for them. You know what I mean? And, you know, with us, it's fishing. Fishing is our obsession. And we like to share, like, I'm in the same boat with you now. It's just like, I enjoy putting my friends, family, yes, on the boat, on fish. Oh, yeah. do, I, do I catch fish? I enjoy it. Yeah, I do. But not as much as enjoying watching people catch fish. Right. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. So, like, like I said, once again, thank you, man. Appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you, too. Um, so, um, do both parts of your charter business have access to the same types of trips? Or do you kind of find a flip-flop and, like, say, um, you bring a bunch of vets on, and do you, like, specifically say, all right, well, no, they're not as stable or they're a little bit more injured than normal. Do you kind of, like, take a more of an easier trip for them compared to as, like, like a full charter going offshore and stuff like that? Yeah, man. So like before each trip, I try and the other thing I try and do is kind of really cater it to each client and as well to each veteran. So prior to going out, once I get a reservation, um, I typically send out an email uh, with a bunch of questions, almost like a pre-charter survey type thing, kind of asking them their their previous experience, um, their interest in fishing or just, you know, just being out on the water. What's, you know, what's really their goal? Is their goal to fill up the cooler? Is it to just go have a good time? Um you know, do they get seasick? Do they prefer the back bay, calmer waters? Are they looking for a specific type of fish over another type of fish? So I kind of throw all these things out to them several weeks prior to the charter and kind of, uh, you know, feel out what they're looking for in their experience. Um, and then depending on their answers, uh, you know, either we'll set up that trip for that. I'll make a recommendation like, hey, man, from what you're telling me, we might want to go out for like an eight hour trip instead of four, because, you know, we can't get too far off. You're looking to do this, this, and this. So I kind of make recommendations based off that. And I really try and cater to each individual. Um, yeah, there's definitely decisions you have to make as far as like uh, the capabilities and the limitations of certain people. But for the most part, um, if they're expressing to me that they're interested in this and it's doable, I try and make it happen for them. Um, so, you know, you guys know how it is. Like there's some, there's some types of fishing that's almost like, you're, you're, you're pretty certain you're going to get laying into some fish. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, if you got people who just, they're not looking for table fare, they just want to reel up as, as many fish as possible. I have my spots to take them where I know they're going to be reeling up a lot of fish. You know what I mean? But if they're looking for more quality over quantity, then, you know, I might switch up the tactic or take them somewhere different to where they might not get as many bites, but the ones they do, they're going to be solid and they're going to be happy with it. So I think it all just depends on the individual. It all depends on the veteran, what they're looking for and what kind of experience they want to get out of it. Um, and with the veteran trips, it's no different, man. I'm just really trying to cater to that individual. And when I read over their, you know, their, their kind of submission to why they, you know, why they want to go on the trip, I think a lot of that, you know, comes into play as far as what I want to do with them and, and how I want to, how I want to make my adjustments. Gotcha. Totally, totally understand that part. Um, I know you just started just this season, right? This is your first season, 21? 21 was Ish. my first legitimate season uh, running. Yeah. 
with all okay. the so know. um just this season have you had any memorable trips yet like super memorable that either it, it hits you here in your heart or just something that you just that that trip just it would just it will embed a memory in your mind forever dude i'll be honest with you i think being that it was the first year you know there's uh, like I said, I've been taking people out for years now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's not all people I know. I might have one friend and they're like, Hey, can I bring my four buddies? I'm like, yeah, dude, just throw me some gas money. It's been like that for years. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've had that feeling that satisfaction, but when it's official and, and there's people giving you their hard earned money, especially man, in the last couple of years with every, all the crap that's been going on and people are tight on cash, losing it, you know, don't have job whatever. When people are giving you that much money to, to take them out for a memorable experience to catch fish. I truly try to put every, every, you know, as much heart and effort into everyone. Cause I, this year I wasn't running with any crew, man. I was doing it all on my own, no mate. And it's a lot of work and I'm trying to put it all, give my all to every single trip. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely days that were more banner days than others. You know, you, you get the clients out and you're catching, you know, from start to finish, you're, you're having a great day and you're catching, you know, film the limit and it's awesome. And then there's those other days that are, you know, they're a lot slower and you feel awful and you, you do everything you're, you can to really, uh, you know, try and make the client have a good time. And um, I don't know if there's one particular trip that necessarily stood out, but I will say that, you know, even the days that are the banner days that are, you know, anybody would want, everybody would want, um, in comparison, even when the days are slow, we still try to really do our best to, you know, let them have a good time, show them that we're putting in the effort and really try and cater it. Like I was telling you before, just cater it to them so that they're satisfied and they're happy. So, like I said, I don't know if there was an individual trip that really stands out as epic. I mean, there's definitely some memorable fish, uh, big fish that, that stand out to me that, that I won't forget. Um, but overall, man, they're all pretty memorable. I just appreciate people you know, giving me their hard earned money to take them out for a, a fun day on the water. You know, it means a lot to me. Yeah. I figured that there had to have been maybe a certain individual that, that the story just pops off with you, but I mean, I guess, I guess every, I guess mostly all trips that you're focused on, you really try to give them the most memorable experience. Yeah, man. I mean, I will say there was this one guy I took out. He was a vet. Uh, he was a Navy. I don't know if SWIC operator is a proper term, but he, he was, uh, he was running those boats, um, the Zodiac type boats mm-hmm. around the rivers in, in Vietnam. And this guy came on and uh, he came on with a few family members. He had like his grandkids there and his, his son. And we had a great day fishing, man. We all, all the, everybody caught a lot of fish, uh, nice size fl- keeper flounders. Uh, you know, we, we were having fun. I think they got a couple tog because uh, it was right in the beginning of April or August when uh, you keep one tog and just catching a lot of fish. But this guy was like, he was sitting in my, uh, you know, right next to me at the helm and just telling me war stories the whole trip, man. And I just remember just getting sucked in. I was like, oh, man, I got to like, I got to pay attention to these other people. <laughs> they were all his family, but I was getting like lost in this guy's stories. And and he'd be up in the front jigging and I'm just sitting there. Lead. I found myself talking to him for like 20 minutes, not realizing the kid in the back is like, hasn't had a gulp on his on his line for like, you know, 15 minutes. He's trying to figure out. He's putting it in all backwards. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, but uh, that that was a pretty memorable one. So I think if I had to point one out, that it was that one, just because you know, it's it was one of those things. It was like almost I'm seeing my vision come to fruition. Where like I had this veteran on, and he's got his family here, and you know, he went through some crazy stuff, man. But he's just having a good time. He's just yeah. enjoying himself. 
Yeah, and he needed someone to talk to that understood. And you know what? He found the person that listened, and you literally listened and forgot about everything else. Yeah, man. So, and like you were, uh, like Dan was telling me earlier, man. Like, you know, a lot of these guys, you would never even know they were veterans because yeah. they don't talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of those Vietnam guys, man, they, no. they, they just bury it, man. And it, it's like. I know a lot of our generation in, in GWAT, man, the global war on terror, a lot of dudes do the same thing. They just, they don't talk about it. And then one day, dude, it's, you can't keep that in your whole life. It's just going to pop. So I think when guys get opportunities, especially those Vietnam guys to just like talk. open up, man, and just talk, just talk. It's, they don't realize it, but I think it's, it's, it's truly therapeutic to them as it, well. It definitely is. Cause they got to yeah. let it out to somebody. And for someone that has the same, somewhat share the same background, you know what I mean? They, they feel more, cozy to talk about it you know what i mean that i yeah, just want to sure. talk to some rando about it if, yep. if, if you don't understand it they won't talk to you about it so i mean for, i mean it, it meant a lot to you but at the same time i guarantee you it meant a lot more to him just to be able to talk to somebody about it you know yeah i hope so man i really enjoyed him and I, like i said i a lot of these guys you know the goal is you know you you want people coming back each year but there's some people like you said that kind of stick out to you and you hope to see yep. them again yep now what, like what species do you typically target on these trips uh, yeah. So it all depends on the time of year. Um, I try and have the boat in by April. Mm -hmm. So I like doing early spring tog. It's still open. You kept like, keep like four fish at a time. I'm, I'm real big on blackfish. So I like, I like tog fishing, man. I've been using, uh, switching from conventional rigs to bottom sweepers, man. And using those a lot. Yeah, and, yeah dude. You know, this podcast, man, you know, this podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I love the bottom sweepers. They're a lot of fun. They make, they bring a whole new element to, to tog fishing. And, uh, I just really have fun with that. So I try and get in in April for that. Um, May, I primarily focus on uh, drum fish, you know, we'll target stripers a little bit here and there too, you know, if they pass through, but they've seen to be a little less frequent in the Bay, uh, recently, at least for, from my experience. Um, but drum fishing, you know, May through June, um, and then once flounder opens up, I'm pretty much primarily going after fluke. Uh, you know, basically June, I'm in back bay, doing a lot of back bay flounder fishing. Um, and then in July, I start segueing, going out to, uh, you know, a lot of the wrecks and reef sites and hitting structure and, and jigging up bigger, you know, going for bigger doormats out there. Um, and then this time of year, August, September, same thing, man, just going a little further off, deeper water, find a bigger fluke. And then we'll hit up some wrecks and structure and stuff looking for, um, you know, whatever we can pull off the wrecks, triggers, sea bass, tog. Um, we'll, we'll hop around a couple pots, see if there's mahi swimming around there. We'll go after those if they're there, you know. Um, but that's really it, man. Um, so it just depends on the season. Next month, we'll, when, when sea bass opens up, um, we'll be hitting those for, you know, a few weeks. And then uh, I think November 15th or 16th, the five man limit for uh totog opens up again. So we'll be hitting those hard and, and going from there and hopefully, you know, keep it pretty steady until the end of the year. Sounds good. You seen any Kobe out there? It's been a Kobe a year, man. I know. So I personally, I haven't seen any yet, but I, I'm a lot of guys are getting them, man. They're, they're hitting them pretty good. So I'm, I'm hoping here, I'm hoping I'm actually going out. I got a, a charter this uh, Sunday. So I'm hoping, uh, to do a little bit of sight fishing there and see if we can spot yeah, some. I was out the other day and literally every boat around me was picking up a Kobe. I'm just sitting there scratching my head. I'm just like, <laughs> what am I doing wrong? And, uh, yeah, sure. I'm the only little, I'm the only little 15 foot flat boat out in the middle of the ocean yeah. hitting bunker schools for Kobe. But it was like 50 pounder picked up on this boat, 60 pounder on this boat. I'm just sitting there. What am I doing wrong? This weird has been funny, man. I mean, if you, if you've been watching following like a, a lot of these tournaments and stuff, I mean, what was it? A, 
some kid in like uh what is it lbi spirit tarpon at the uh the you see that? <laughs> yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that uh, but we know <laughs> dude what the hell man i don't know i mean so, i mean you see that you see the uh the with the state record at the mid-atlantic they call it that blue marlin mm-hmm. um over a thousand pounds i think it was yeah the uh the, guy, mean, we ha- the guy we had on flood time media he was there you know doing the whole thing and so it's pretty it's pretty epic man some of the crazy fish crazy crazy, crazy fishing fish. man yeah i mean but honestly this year at the colby has been uh they've been pretty thick here so i mean get the opportunity to hit those hit the bunker pods man and keep those bucktails yeah, sure. and keep those bucktails ready and climb up on top of that seat and look man because if you see them cast to them man they're, they're yeah, nine man. times of ten they're gonna cream it for sure dude uh, uh let's see now um what was your most impressive catch on one of your charters? Like literally most impressive catch or wildest species of fish you ever caught on one of you, on your boats? Um, I don't say any too wild a species. Like I said, I'm not really going anywhere too deep, pulling up anything too crazy. Um, probably the most impressive catch. I mean, it's not nothing too crazy, but it was uh, just under a double digit fluke. I still haven't broke 10 pounds on a, on a, on a doormat yet, man. It's like, it's like the one thing that's just aching at me. It's like every year, man, I'm trying to get a, double digit flounder and I just haven't been able to do it. Um, I mean, you're also handicapped in the region too. Like yeah, I South, know. Georgia, South Georgia doesn't really have big. No, they don't produce the big ones, man. I mean, I, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll get a few like eight nines around, you know what I mean? But yeah. like, when you're talking about double digits, it's, it's insanely hard to pick a double digit up here. Yeah, man. I've, I've ran pretty far North too, trying, but I, I just haven't been able to do it yet, but I've had some people pull up some real nice flounder. I had one that was uh, just over eight. That was probably, you know, most impressive flounder that came over our rails, but uh, yeah, I'd say not, nothing too crazy, man. It, it's it's pretty consistent, I'd say, for where I'm fishing at, um, you know. But just real, you know, good quality fish, I'd say, is the biggest thing. As far as weird species, wild stuff, I'm trying to think if there's anything that really sticks out. But I, I mean, fun. you've got to have both some big drums, though, like almost hundred pounders yet. Yeah, yeah, we I've had some huge drum. Yeah, um, it seems like once you get into those, man, they're, they're it's like you're pulling them up left and right, though. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, um, it, I mean, it's pulling up a big, big tire, but still, it's still they're impressive. Yeah. But see, I don't want to hear pound, about that fish. I don't want to hear about drum. Hundred pounders, pretty impressive. You're not a drum fan. I don't want to hear about drum fish. I don't want to hear about. He, he's just sad because he he popped off a really big drum off the beach to, this year. Oh yeah, that's rough, man. Off the beach. I was fishing for fluke. I was fishing for fluke, way up north last month, um, mid last month, and I hooked into something, and then I'm like, oh crap! I got a cow nose because they were all over the place. Yeah, they were. And then I got it up. I got it up to the beach, and it was probably a sixty plus pound black drum, on fifteen pound braid, twelve pound test, on twelve pound test fluorocarbon. And a seven pound uh, medium, a uh, seven foot medium rod. So like I'm light jack, light tackle jig. Yeah. Shad. I get it. So where I'm fishing, there is a very pronounced lip on the beach. Mm-hmm. I had it above the lip, but the water was coming up because it was high tide. Right. Um, so I had it above the lip. I'm 20 yards back because I'm just backing up. It's not doing anything. I'm not fighting the fish really. Like he said, it's a tire, right? Yeah. And I'm fighting it. I get it to where I can see about half of its body, the big hump. And it's just sitting there, silver, purple right there. I saw the little things coming off the, off the chin. Yeah. And then pop, broke, broke my line. Wave uh-huh. came up and it just went past the lip. And I could see it just sitting there, but that water was probably seven, eight feet deep. I wanted to jump in there and I'm like, 
But I, I mean, what am I going to do? Am I going to tackle a 60 pound fish? Like, what do you I would have. You know, it's funny you said that because when I, when I was telling you earlier about uh, trying to get my son into it, he had that big one. I, I put that one probably around 50 pounds. And yeah. uh, he was only, I think, 10 at the time. And that popped off of the boat. It's kind of doing the same thing, man. It was like chilling right at the surface, almost like a gotcha. You know, it was like swimming by the boat. It was tired. You can tell he was tired. Yeah. And it took him a little bit, but then, he, you know, he kicked out and went down. But, um, yeah, that's hurt. That hurts, man. Off the surf. With well, that off the surf with that kind of setup, I, that would have made my year, man. That that was yeah. like for me, that would have been my my fish of the year there. So I, it, it, I'm still salty about it. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, see, a lot of people knock drum, man. I've always I've always thought drum were fun. Like I, I know people say they feel like tires pulling up, but I think that they, you know, they'll get to the surface. And they'll take a good run down. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. A few times. Um, I mean, dude, for fishing in 14 feet of water, 10 yeah. feet of water, a 100-pound fish, that's yeah. crazy. You know it what I mean? Insane. And the fact that you can hear the drum beneath the boat, that's the most That's the most it makes fun it even part. Cooler, man. Yeah. And then, like I said, you get into them, man, and, and you double or triple up, and you got three people fighting, you know, a 50-plus-pound fish. I mean, you can't it, – it is it is a really cool fishery that we have up here that is pretty – that, that's, like, the easiest charter ever, right, to find big drum and just put, yeah. like, three, four, four, five guys on one on five different fishing without, like, you know what? My job's done for the day. I can go – we can go in. Yeah, you're a couple hundred yards off the beach and, you know, 15 feet of water anchored yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. And it's fun, man. I still love drumming, you know. I, I It's relaxing. You, know, you don't have to worry about getting a good drift. You don't have to worry about, you know – a lot of the other factors you need to worry about when you're, you're talking a lot of these uh, smaller species that we go after with light tackle. It's just a fun time. I need to yeah. give it a whirl next season with my little, my little skiff. I couldn't imagine hauling up an 80 pounder on my little skiff. I'm like, yeah, that's that, not going in the boat. That'd be a battle, man. Well, come yeah. out with us, man. Come out and uh, it, have, enjoy yourself one of these days and relax. And you don't have to captain your boat. You know, you just sit back. I need oh, revenge. I need revenge. I need, yeah, you I need to. Well, you're not going to, you're not going to feel satisfied unless you get it from the beach. Uh, no, I'll feel satisfied if I get like a nice one. All right. No, I, yeah. I, I, I listen, it happens. What are you going to do? Right. We Nothing, you fish no. long enough. You're going to have bad stuff happen. That's <laughs> what makes you want to go back, man. Yeah. I, and I, I, I went back like four or five times after that, but not <laughs> like, it's like, Oh, is that one drum still hanging around here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, look, when was that? Was that, was that in a June yet? No, it was, it was, um, a month ago. It, it was in August. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Beginning, I think it was actually beginning of August. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they're they're up, they're further up north. A couple of guys been catching pretty much consistently up further up north. So yeah, I usually give up. I mean, I only fish in the in the Delaware Bay. And I usually I usually stop going for them like the second week or so of June, second or third week. I usually just transition. Yeah, you know, but they're we, fun our uh, our one of our good buddies is like a monster on them from sure uh, in in the spring. He he has it dialed in. I think we talked. We had a we had a whole episode on it about him for him. Yeah, he, yeah, I heard he, that he, one. That yeah, was... he, yeah, he targets them in the bay. Like whenever they leave your area, they yeah. come up our area, and then they they duck into the base, and that's when he starts targeting them. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. You see, you see people like talking about seeing um seeing their tails sticking up in like a foot of water. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, I've had them this year going up into one of our little uh, marshes. I'll, I'll come up. I'll come up a creek. The whole marsh itself, the sound is only about max three feet deep. Yeah. There's a little channel that runs up the middle that's like maybe 12, 14. So I'll cruise up the channel with my side scans out. And then I'll literally see them on the sides, right on the ledges, sleeping. Like they won't move. They're not, not they're just laying there. They're not doing anything. But yeah, then I'll, I'll see like pockets of them, five, six, seven, just sitting there sleeping, laying there, not doing crazy, anything. man. 
And then you do see them occasionally. You'll see them feeding. You'll see their tails just sticking yeah, out of the water. Yeah, kind of like kind of like how redfish kind of just n- yeah, exactly. nose up into grasses and stuff. That's but, another uh, one I haven't gotten up here yet that I want to. Man. I don't think any. I've, I'm I'm still hunting one of those. I know. I've been out maybe four or five times this year already trying to hunt these albies, and I'm like, it's driving me nuts. These albies and these cobias are driving me insane, man. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've gotten a couple albies so far, but I haven't got any cobia. Yeah. Justin, that skiff, that skiff that you're you picked up is gonna be your buddy with the redfish. Yeah, that's gonna be your master plan, man. And that area you fish, very redfishy, man. Yeah, just man. wait, just wait till that mullet start moving. Then yep. then you start hunting them a little harder. Oh yeah. Yeah, we uh, see more and more of them up here every year. So uh, it's it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a fishery within probably the five, ten, five, yeah, ten years. Another yeah. five, ten. Yep, there'll be yeah, a fishery. man. I've heard a lot of people say that. It's it's pretty exciting, man, because it's that's good stuff. But we'll see. Yep. Here, here's, here's the question I like to ask. And, you know, our podcast is all about, have you ever targeted sheep's head? Have you ever caught one in our waters yet? I have caught one, uh, but I haven't really targeted, targeted, them. targeted them. Yeah. And I've, I've honestly, dude, after like uh, what really got me intrigued into them was, was Dan Schaefer. Yeah. That's, how, that's how everyone gets hooked. Yeah, man. I saw one of his um, seminars. I I don't know. It might've been the AC boat show a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to one of his seminars and this was after I had caught one, you know, and I just thought it was a fluke. This was like, a, I'm talking a few years ago that I got yeah. one and off the, uh, off, yeah. the rock, off the rocks, I assume by talking. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, was it I rock or was it on a bridge? No, I was on the rocks. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just heard him talking about, it. I was like, man, dude, he crushes them. And I started seeing some of his videos and I, and I know, I know where he's at. You know what I mean? I know all the spots, but yeah. uh, I haven't like gone out and, and tried on myself anywhere yet. And I see a lot of these kayak anglers, man, just all over the pilings on the bridges and, yeah. you know, and, and get, you know, crushing them on sand fleas and everything. And I just, or fiddler crabs, whatever, you know, and I just, I haven't gotten out yet, but now that I got this little dinghy, I think, Probably not a charter, but I think I'll get out if I ever get an opportunity to get out on my own. That'll be one of the next I mean, things I go for. I mean, for your size boat, it's, it's the big one. Oh. It's no, nah, it's it's not even worth it. It's for the hassle. But the yeah. skiff maybe. But if you really want to do it, just just let me know. Uh, I mean, I don't. I, I haven't fished for them lately because I've let I've laid off the pressure on them. But yeah. like for you, like if you want to go, just let me know. I'll take you out for a day of fishing for yourself. I just for that, yourself, man. nobody else, man. No, nah, I can't. Like I said, I, have, I I wouldn't even think about trying to get that on a uh, charter trip because I, I don't have any experience with them. But I yeah. would. Uh, I'd love yeah. to go on my own. Yeah, I'd, I would definitely take you out easily any day, man. That'd be great, man. I'll I'll, uh, I'll make that trip. Yeah, yeah, you you can be you can be my piling boy. Yeah, sounds <laughs> Hold good. The Hold the boat. That's all I need you to do. Uh, now for fisherman and also the family man, how often do you get out to fish for yourself? Like, I mean, like really fish for yourself, and when you do. What is the target? Well, I'd say before the last two years, I would go out several times a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, it was minimal mm-hmm. for myself. Uh, between the charters, uh, I mean, any any open days that I had, really, I was on a charter. And then when I wasn't, I like I said, I just had a newborn in February. Mm-hmm. So that made it difficult. I did drag her along with me a couple of times <laughs> on charters, but she's been on the boat, you know, as a four month old, whatever, out in the ocean yeah. and stuff, which is cool. Um, so not not too often. I think this summer, man, I might have gotten out twice for myself just fishing. And that was like one time was completely solo. I was just scouting out some tog spots um, for the upcoming season. 
Um, and the other time I had some family all board and we were just drifting for fluke, um, stuff like that. But I'd say if I have, like right now, if I had an opportunity to go out by myself or even with a buddy or something, I'm probably going, I'm probably going off to like the chicken Canyon or Macy's or something and trying to troll around a little bit, you know, hit a couple of pots for some mahi and maybe do some deep water jigging before flounder season closes. I, I'm really big, man. Like, don't get me wrong. I love like hooking into like a big drum or a big striped bass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like like the light tackle, um, you know, the light tackle near shore fisheries, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, like if I could get a doormat fluke on like 10 pound braid and a buck, you know, like, like a one ounce bucktail, like that is awesome. I mean, I love that, you know, or if I can get a, you know, a nice 14 pound tog on a bottom sweeper jig, like, dude, that's, that's fun, man. You know, to me, that's like, I just really enjoy doing that. Um, not even for table fare, just catch and release. I just like the light tackle stuff. It's enjoyable to me. But uh, so I think if I had the option to go right by myself right now, that's the kind of day I'd probably make. Um, light tackle day. I mean, that's that's pretty much yeah. all of us, you know. I mean, like even for me, Dan, you know, we're 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 that we're that seven foot guy, seven foot rod, mm-hmm. 10, 15 pound braid, and that's it. No matter what catch anything, like I've landed 40 pound bass on it, you know what yeah. I mean? On mm-hmm. 15 pound braid. I've landed no, you know, seven, eight, nine, eight pound fluke, no, 13 pound sheep's head. You know what I mean? It's a, like yeah. light tackle is just, it's something about the light tackle that just makes you, it, you feel the whole battle between you yeah, and between man and fish. It's like, there's no advantage. It's like, he's got the yeah. power. You have the power. It's just who has the stamina to outlast the fight. Yeah, for sure. And to be honest, I might even, if I had an opportunity, I might even stick to the back, man. I might try for some sheep's head, do some top water striped bass fishing just because it's, it's relaxing, man. You know what I mean? I think that's what we should do. Like one of these days, if the wind's yeah. right and everything's right, you know what? Maybe hop on my, my skiff. I'll pull you around, you know, the back bays in your area, wherever you 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 know. Yeah. I'll just push you around there. You can just fish all day. I just I just enjoy, I, I just enjoy pushing the boat around it with a pole. I'm with you, bro. That's that's awesome. And I would love to I think that's so that's so cool, man. The guys doing that stuff, the bowling up here. It's like such a unique, uh, unique way to fish that is just not commonly seen up here and it's like when you do see it it's just it's awesome because it's, it, like, it's like a hunt man that's all it is we're, we're yeah. pushing around in just like eight to ten to twelve inches of water looking for bass that are like 30 inches you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's a yeah man for sure that's but, awesome. yeah but probably next next month should be good well next month we'll set something up let's see what your schedule your schedule mm-hmm. looks like and we'll get out yeah man i'm starting to uh, the charters are starting to slow down now that summer yeah. people are back to school you know i'm hoping i get I think once sea bass opens up, I might pick up a little bit. Uh, so between like, you know, I'm pretty busy the next couple of weeks, but after that, until like sea bass opens up, I think I'm going to have a couple, couple solid weekends and weeks of opening. So let's make yeah. something happen. Man. Yeah. We'll definitely talk. Man. The weekends I'm, I'm out of it. I work all weekends, but weekdays I'm good. Hey bro, I'm all about weekdays. Week, weekdays are the way to go. That's right. That's, That's all I fish, man. Weekdays. Weekends like the plague, man. If I I'm, can, I'm trying to avoid pontoons and jet skis, man. Yes. I'm with you. <laughs> all right. Uh, yes, I will confess. I own two jet skis and they are fun. Okay. <laughs> Turn them into fishing jet skis. That's all. I have, I have, I fished, uh, you know, the grassy sound marina. Yeah. Yeah. I fished. I was their first jet ski entry like four years ago in their uh, in their opening day fluke tournament. Nice. Yeah, they're good right. people, man. Yeah, they are. Uh, so, um, do you have any bucket lists locally, or even any destination trip that you would like to cross 
the the bucket fish off your list, like literally, like top of your head. Well, it's it's funny that we're talking about how like much I love light tackle, but like I do like a blue marlin definitely on my bucket list up here. I would love to go offshore and just get a monster marlin. Um, I, like I said, I'm not really an offshore guy. I, I'm not that I don't like it. I'm I'm all about it. I just don't have a lot of experience in it. Um, I, I feel you. you know, yeah, and I I just haven't had a lot of opportunities to get on a, a you know to get out to I mean, get you, one. But you got would, you got the boat for it. I mean, I do. Yeah, and I, so. I could. It's just when the you know when the opportunity arises to get off by myself, it's usually a quick trip and I'm out for a few hours and then I'm back. Um, but I definitely, one of these days would like to make, you know, the time and the effort to go truly offshore and try and, you know, lock into one of those, that'd be sick. Um, so I'd say, I'd say locally, yeah, like a blue Marlin would be a, a bucket list uh, fish, dream fish for me. I think, dude, I've gone to a lot of cool places, man. Like I fished in Costa Rica, I fished in Fiji. Um, I really would like to go like the West coast, like maybe like uh Panama and do some like rooster fishing. I think that'd be fun, man. That's a good bucket list. fish. That's one of mine. That's one of my bucket list fish. Yeah, man. I just think that that would be awesome. So one of these days, man, when I get to Central America or, or Mexico, you know, give those a shot. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be an awesome fish to go for. Roosters, GTs, like all those, like those insanely like super fast fish. Yeah. And another thing uh, I know we were talking about in the beginning, I know you're into it. Uh, I, I do want to get, you know, give fly fishing a shot. Uh, right. Anytime. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll start the basics and let you, let you feel it out. And then if it's something you want to do, we can continue. Yeah. Man. Yeah, so, I don't know if I like it, but I think, I figure if you're going to be an angler, man, you should be well-rounded and at least give everything well, a try. Well, the day out, the day out, then I'll make sure I pack my fly rod. So yeah. uh, I'll pack a couple of fly rods and see how you like that feeling. I like it. Let's do it. All right, cool. Uh, so let's uh, we're gonna start wrapping it up. Um, let's get into your social media. Where can people find you? Where can they reach out to you? And uh, for all our veterans out there, how can they connect with you for one of your uh, war in the water veterans trip? Yeah, man. So I'd say the most information is probably on the website. It's easy. It's just saltygrunt.com. Um, S a l t y g r u n t. Um, and there's links on there to the warrior on the water. Uh, page so that has its totally own page um, and you'll see you'll see information on there on how you could either uh, if you're a veteran yourself or a first responder um, and you think you could use a therapeutic trip um, there's information on there to how you can get in contact with me or if you know somebody that you think could use it uh, you know whether you're a veteran you got a friend or a family member whatever um, same thing man you can do all that through the through the website um, any charter reservations can be booked on there as well there's links there as far as social media goes, I'm um, on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all uh, Salty Grunt Sport Fishing. So you can find me on there. And there's links to, I believe, all three of those to the website, um, which can direct you there. Um, we'll also be at a lot of the uh, the ex fishing expos and the boat shows this upcoming season. So, um, you know, if you guys are there and you, you know, you see us swing by, say hi. Um, we're hoping to do a lot of uh you know, a lot of giveaways and stuff we're actually doing. There's a uh, locally where I live in Pennsylvania, there's a, uh, it's called the Brad Fox run. It was an officer killed in the line of duty. Um, and they do a 5k for me each year. And we're donating a free charter trip um, for 2022 season to the, the Brad Fox, uh, the Brad Fox run. So they'll be raffling that off on the 18th of September, I believe. I think it's next Saturday. So we're looking to do a lot of that stuff, man. Just trying to help guys out, get people fishing that haven't done it before. And, uh, like I said, if you happen to see us at the boat shows or the expos or anything, come by and say hi, man. We'll talk and talk fishing and talk whatever, you know. Welcome to, you know, anybody who wants to join, just give us a call at any time. Yeah, sounds, um, sounds excellent. Uh, before I hand it over to Dan real quick, um, 
once again, I'd like to appreciate and appreciate and thank you for coming on our podcast. I mean, you are a young character that knows the importance of everything for vets and people out there. Once again, I'd like to thank you for everything you're doing for everybody. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you for your service as well, man. Yeah, no problem. Like I said, we'll talk in the next few weeks. Yeah, find, your, fishing, find whatever schedule works. We'll get you out there. Let's get you just get you on some fish or just a fun day of just hanging out with a boy. You know what I mean? Sounds good, brother. Let's do it. All right. I'm a little different here. Um, I saw your wife followed us on um, our podcast page and she's a realtor. So I would like for you to uh, to plug her page, too, if, you, if, if you'd like to kind of give her a little exposure, because you're, right. you're you're a pretty credible uh, human being. And I, I'd love to see your family do well and all that good stuff. So. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I mean, yeah, she's a local realtor. Um, it's uh, her Instagram is kelly.burke.realtor. Um, she services all of uh, Bucks County and New Jersey. I'm sorry, Pennsylvania and New Jersey specializes in Bucks County, but she's in both states. So if you have any, uh, you know, shore houses or anywhere in between from here to the city, um, you can contact her there. Uh, you can get a contact her through me or, um, you know, like I said, any social media platform. It's uh, Kel Sells. It's her Facebook page. And uh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, she, you know, she's a great realtor. She'll help you out with all your needs. And she also does a lot of uh, events to help out with the uh, the cause and the veterans and, and all that stuff, too. So I appreciate that. Of course, man. Hey, listen, this is what this is all about. It, we want it. We want it to be mutually beneficial for everybody. And she, she's she's uh, she's part of the our followers and she's your your wife. We, we've we've beat around the idea of doing like a, a, a wife of the fisherman podcast. So maybe we'll reach out to you to, to have her on for a couple of minutes. Cause we're going to do a couple of people's lives and kind of mesh it all together in one podcast. Cool, so man. She, cool. She'd be down for that. That might be, that might be a good one to have on. Cause she's there with the newborn. You're out fishing. She might have some things to say about that. Right? I think she might. Yeah. I think she definitely might. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. I have three yeah. kids. I've been there. Yeah, man. I, the week after my son was born, I was on a kayak catching muskies with my father-in-law and my, my father-in-law was like, ah, she'll be good. Yeah, and <laughs> everybody's, like, everybody's like, what the hell are you doing out fishing? You're wasted at home with a newborn. She's, he, I was like, she, she told me to get out of the house and go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, it, it, I'll tell you what, it may or may not have been good to it starting the charter this year with a newborn because that one time I told you I did get out fishing by myself. She may have thought I was on a charter that day. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, she lives. Uh, hopefully she's not close. Does she know that now? She'll know. Yeah. I think she knows that when she point. listens to the podcast, she will. She knows, man, but it's, it's tough, dude. It's like, you got to find those days when you can get out, but it's hard. But you know, like when you got a passion like that and an obsession and you gotta, you gotta fit it in where you can, man. So. I, I will say I, in the past, I have snuck out of work early and gone fishing and said I was at work the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we've all done that. It's been years and years and years since that. We may not have been even married at the point when I did that. But, yeah, I've done it a few times. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely incredible talking to you. This, has got a, this is a top one or two for me. I think you've been great, man. We, we love what you're doing. We'd love to have you back on at some point once you've gotten into the nitty gritty and get a couple, uh, couple more, a little bit more experience under your belt. If you get into the offshore stuff, we could talk a little bit further about some other things. Yeah, for sure. And we, we, we wish you all the success in the world, man. I appreciate that, guys. And thanks again for having me on. It's a pleasure to meet both you on here and uh, talking to you. And hopefully one of these days we can get out on the water together and catch some fish. We got to make that happen. Absolutely. Most, I want to do it. I, I haven't even been on his boat. He's tried and tried. Something has come up every time. So yeah. I got everybody on my boat except for you. You're yeah. the only one. Hey, dude, that's how it goes, man. I've had my sisters the same way. She, I think my last boat, she, she would come on me almost once a week. And she hasn't been on this, this new boat in like four years. So. You know, it's just sometimes it doesn't, the schedule doesn't work out quite for everybody, but you, you got to make it happen. It's not a bad. I, I've had this boat for almost two years now. My wife hasn't stepped on the boat yet. Yeah, it's, she's got to get on there, man. 
Incredible person, man. We love what you're doing again. And uh, keep it up, man. Keep doing big things. Thanks, I, I, think, I think it's only going to come back to you. So yeah. I, I, think, I think Salty Grunt's going to blow up. I can't wait to see where you take this thing, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. And uh, again, I appreciate you having me on, man. It was a pleasure talking to you. No problem, you got it, brother. We're going to stay on for a couple minutes and wrap up. But uh, again, thank you so much. I can't wait to meet you in person and fish with you, man. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Right. Take care, brother. All right. Take good care. night, Ryan. You too, guys. Thanks. Man, oh, man. That was awesome. He is yeah. one, he's one incredible human being. I love it. Indeed. for And for his age, too. I'm just like, I know he's a lot younger than both of us. And then like for what he's achieving, what he's doing, you know, and the, what he's doing for the community and also for the military families is incredible, man. It takes a lot of like heart to go, to go behind this, to be able to do this. Hey, I wish we found that guy ourselves, man, but he reached out to us and that's just how this thing goes, man. Yeah. If you have any interest or you know, anybody out there that has interest in being on the podcast, man, we, we'd love to have you. We'd love to sit down and talk and see if it makes sense. You know, we, we, we have people lined up to, to be on, but we can always use further, further, uh, further guests. You know, we're not, we're not taking a break. We're not doing any of those season one, season two, season three type things. We're just going to keep rolling, man. Yeah. And we're going to keep talking to great people. It's, and that's what it's all about. People that are kind of like us and are, are doing, doing good things for the community, doing good things for the fisheries and every human being. And I just love that, man. That, that, yeah. that really, that really made, made me feel something there. I know. It makes me feel all warm inside. You know what I mean? So um, once again, guys, if you guys out there are a veteran or if you know someone that's a veteran or a uh, first responder or a police officer or any of those likes, and they need someone to talk to or they just need to, a therapeutic fishing session. Um, Ryan will be able to take care of everything because he's been there. He's experienced it. So reach out to Ryan and he'll be able to kind of give that special person that you know a very special time that they're going to remember for a very long time. Yeah, man. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. And we will be Signing off. Tight lines, everybody. Yep. Tight lines, everyone.